Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we're going to be covering a topic within our community that pops up quite a lot, um, infertility, um, overcoming infertility. And today I have Scott Stapley, who's 32 years old, um, who's going to talk about his infertility story to then becoming a father. What's going on, man? Hi. Uh, not much. Okay. Happy so, yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have you share your story. Um, with the community and, and know that it's going to have an impact. So kind of, can you walk us through when you first started um, going down your fertility journey with your wife and um, just take us from there? Yeah. So uh, wife and I got married in 2013, um, kind of started trying to have kids in 2014. And then by the end of 2015, um, kind of recognizing that uh, we might have to go down the route of um, having kids a little bit differently with the uh, IUI or, or IVF or, or whatever might have would, would come up. And so we um, checked out, checked her out, made sure that she was good um, and, uh, and then checked me out and uh, turned out that I didn't have uh, sperm in my, in my sperm sample. And uh, that experience was awful. <laughs> of course, I'm sure uh, anyone that's gone through it would, would understand that. Um, and so from there, we started talking with uh, our, my, my primary care provider, uh, recommended seeing a urologist. Um, and uh, so we started down that route. Um, he recommended genetic testing. Um, and so November 2015, I remember getting the results because we were at a, um, it was around Thanksgiving time, uh, the day after, actually the day before Thanksgiving and received the results of, of the genetic testing. Um, uh, we had been told that it could be Kleinfelters, it could be something else. Um, and basically, if it was Kleinfelter, there was a possibility of being infertile or sterile. Um, uh, but it's but there was a, a, a large possibility or a small possibility that um, could have kids uh, in, a, in a different um, in a different way. Anyway, we weren't given a lot of information, but just that. And so we were, we were really anticipating the call. We were uh, at the Utah State Capitol because my family, my wife's family was taking pictures, uh, family pictures over Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, so it was a big, <laughs> big experience, but uh, it was, it was to get the call and hear from urologists the results. Uh, climb filters didn't really mean a whole lot to me at the time, other than just hearing it from him. Um, so I, I took that information and of course <laughs> did what, what anyone would do when they get a diagnosis, whether it be of anxiety or cancer is, is Google. <laughs> um, and so I got a lot of the information, uh, you know, from Google, WebMD, whatever. Um, also talked with obviously my, my, uh, urologist about what it was. My wife, of course, was very much more into the, the research, but, uh, um, she was very set on the idea that, um, you know, there was hope uh, we could that we can we could conceive through IVF, um, and uh, so we um, kind of just at that point uh, she she did a lot of the the research and figuring things out. I was in the depths of a, a master's program um, internship, you know, doing all sorts of things at the time. So a lot of it laid on or was on her. Um, I don't know how much further you want me to go at this time, but no, uh, I, I think, you know, you were you, the, the master's program kept your mind busy. So you yeah, kind yeah. of were able to put the fact that you were, st you learned that you were 
most likely sterile off to the side and focus yeah. on other things. And so when, when you, when you did that first sperm sample and they told you that you were azospermia, um, did they, was there any other information that they gave you or was it just that? Well, it was, it was that, and, and they recommended doing a donor sperm. Um, if, if we were very, if we were as, um, I guess, uh, committed to becoming parents, they, they talked about the adoption. They also talked about sperm donor as an option. Um, and, uh, you know, we were pretty, I don't know, deep down, we just knew that there was something that could be, that could be done. Um, but, uh, at the same time, I was going through a lot of what I've read about and, and also seen on your channel of just that, uh, uh, disappointment, extreme disappointment, extreme sadness, um, and, and wishing that I had known before I was 25. Um, so, so certainly that, that, that was a, that was a huge blow, but we always had that hope of, you know, we're going to find some way to, to make this work. Um, this so is our dream. What was the time period from when you got that ta or when you first started trying for kids till you got that azospermia, um, information back? Yeah. So I'd say we started 2014. So it had been about a year and a half. Okay. Um, so a little earlier than, than maybe other couples, but, um, yeah, we, we tried, tried, tried and nothing had come of it. And then how long did it take you from that, that sperm sample to then a karyotype to get the diagnosis of Klinefelter syndrome? Um, it would have been, it was May of that, of 20, so about six months. Yeah. Cause again, like I said, my wife was, was very focused okay. on, on this experience. And so she found, uh, found that urologist and got the ball rolling there. So when you, I, I mean, your wife, that's an amazing thing to advocate for you to really like yeah. put all the effort into figuring this out. When you found out Kleinfelder syndrome and you Googled it, did a set, did a period of like anger, grief, like I'm, I, did you any feel less than a man because of these, like, what were some of those emotions that triggered? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of all of that. Um, uh, less of a man was probably the main, the main part there. Um, frustrate frustration and, and feeling like, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that, that, I guess that main male or masculine part of me wasn't, um, wasn't a part of me, I guess, um, in, in, in high school, even childhood, I, um, there's, there were times that, you know, I, I definitely remember, and this is obviously before I'd gotten any diagnosis, but definitely felt something was different. Um, and then obviously now I can kind of understand a little bit more about that, but kind of the, I was interested in very androgynous types of, of activities. I mean, I was in football, but I also enjoyed art and it was very creative, uh, not to say that art is uh, feminine in, in any way, but uh, but definitely just experienced more of that um, than my my male peers, um, and uh, certainly remember puberty being very delayed um, uh, and uh, wondering when it was going to happen for me. <laughs> um, but uh, I digress there. But uh, but certainly that that uh, less of a man feeling was very strong. 
did you feel as if like, you know, it's crazy because you just said I felt different when I was younger and I, I let all the newly diagnosed mothers know that like when you go to tell us the diagnosis, like tell us as early as possible because we know we're different before you tell us like 10 or 11 or 12 that yeah. you have this, sin, like you have XXY. And so knowing that you have something but not using it to be a victim or not using it as a crutch and that aspect will help you accept who you are because this is a part of our DNA um, and it's yeah. not going to go anywhere. It's not changing. So um, did, did like the grieve, how, I guess, how long was it from your diagnosis going through your grieving process to um, your wife finding like that there's a surgery micro test available? Like what was that time period? Did you need a lot of time to grieve? Um, you know, I, like I said, my wife kind of pushed, pushed me through it. And in some ways, um, I do wish that I had more time to, I feel like I've just over even, even being a father now, um, you know, had a time where I've had to just kind of think about it, like, uh, about the diagnosis itself. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm at all an expert on anything, <laughs> climb filters or, or XXY, uh, even though I've, I've lived with it for 32 years, but, um, you know, I, I, it was probably like a four or five month period where, where, you know, we, we were researching and figuring things out. Um, we were blessed to live in Utah where there was a urologist that would do that micro test surgery. And, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, the time period was, was pretty, um, pretty quick in comparison to others at least others that i've read or heard heard about well i guess what what was what helped you i guess accept like what helped you with acceptance and be able to move forward and and in that short period of time um and honestly it it was it was like I said, it was the, what helped me get through it was the hope that there was a chance. Um, you know, uh, the research or the information told us that there was a chance that we could have kids, uh, have have biological kids. Um, and yeah, if it weren't for the drive of my wife, I don't know if <laughs> I think I might have had a longer period of time to breathe. <laughs> so she was just adamant. You guys were trying for a year, yeah. year and yeah. a half, and she's we like, knew. "We're doing this. We're getting it done." Yeah, there's, there are definitely, I've talked to quite a few guys that have had that where they kind of wish they had more time, but they didn't want to disappoint their wife and they already yeah. felt like they weren't man enough. So they kind of wanted to give their wife whatever she wanted mm. and, yeah. and they kind of put themselves on the back burner and they weren't able to speak up and say, Hey, I need more time. Like this is like, there's a lot to process here. It's not only the, the aspect of finding out older, like you're infertile, but also there's secondary characteristics of Klinefelder syndrome, like no, like low testosterone, mm -hmm. um, some learning challenges possibly with some people um, and other, some physical stuff. Um, and so figuring out, going back into your past with what you know about Klinefelder syndrome and trying to research more of it, learn about it, then go back to your past and like try to find those areas where exactly. it's like, oh, that makes sense. This makes sense. And then yeah. being not having that time and then getting pushed into fertility can be like pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. 
I haven't experienced the fertility aspect because I got diagnosed in utero, but um, that's, you know, it seems to be a pretty common thing with the guys in our community of, of that fertility aspect. Um, So what was, I guess, what was the micro tests? Did your wife do all the information and just tell you that this is what you're doing and, or did you look into it a little bit to get, yeah, we certainly looked into it mainly because we would heard that it was an expensive surgery. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, like we said, like I said, I, I, we felt very blessed that there's someone at, at the hospital there that would do it for us. Um, and, uh, you know, when I say at the hospital, we were living in Salt Lake, we were just only, well, like, like a 10 minute drive up the mountain, um, from, from that hospital. So, we felt like it was just something that we had to push forward and do. Um, my parents, you know, at the time, you know, that's also another, uh, I guess, aspect of male inf- infertility, finding it out, finding out climb filters during male infertility um, or upon male infertility uh, diagnosis is just that, you know, parents, I mean, they, they didn't know, <laughs> they didn't know or have any idea other than, you know, I was reserved. I was more, like I said, more androgynous growing up, they didn't really have any idea. So, um, you know, they felt at some, in some ways, uh, responsible in some, in some way, shape or form. I I talked a lot about it with them, but, uh, they, they offered to pay for the, the, the surgery and, um, which was a huge blessing in and of itself. Um, and that also pushed us to, to be able to do it a little bit quicker than, you know, having to save up and, um, do a, you know, go find me or something like that to be able to um, do the micro test of surgery. So they felt like, did they f- feel like it was partially their fault, even though it's a genetic anomaly and, and it's, it's, they don't know who, like they don't know where it comes from or why. Yeah. A piece of that. Sure. Um, I think it was also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of nine in, in my uh, family and uh, you know, they, they were very also focused on us get, uh, getting them grandkids. Right. Um, so, uh, so that was a, that was a, uh, I think a driving force in it too. So walk me through, you know, (laughs) kind of it's, it seems like, did you guys have a secondary option when going through the IVF, the donors, Mm -hmm. the, the micro tests, like you guys had potential donor sperm picked out in case. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was something they, uh, um, recommended, but, um, so we did this surgery in was it March of 2016. Yeah. March of 2016. And, um, uh, that was, uh, that was an experience. I'll just say that, um, it took them, I think normally it takes an hour or so to find, uh, find sperm, you know, taking samples, looking over under a microscope and then, um, uh, you know, um, and then checking again and things, but they, they found it very quickly within, um, within my, uh, testicles. And so it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was, a, I guess, a unique experience. Uh, I remember going to sleep and then waking up and crying a lot because, uh, not, not just because of the pain, but also because of, uh, my wife informing me that they found sperm. Um, and that, <laughs> Uh, that was an experience that <laughs> as you can imagine would be, was it, 
Uh, what people say that, uh, that their dreams have come true. <laughs> that was that experience for me. Dreams have come true. And we hadn't even tried IVF yet, but uh, <laughs> um, just finding sperm <laughs> as, as simple as it might sound to some people, that was, that was huge. Um, How much did they find? Six vials, um, which was, <laughs> was also huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, as, and this is after they had told me that because my my testosterone levels were so low, like I think at one point it was like 87 was one of the readings. Uh, I think I'd gotten up into like two, 200 area, you know, area, but between, you know, like I said, 50 and 200, I don't know what the, the unit of measurement is, but that's, I mean, I was told that there, there'd be, it might be, uh, you know, very difficult for them to find any anything, but uh to, to say that the survey went very you know, shorter than normal and that they found six vials was, was amazing. What was your recovery time as far as, um, you know, all the guys have talked about it. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about it, whether they've had success or not have, have had success about um, the pain, uh, the just uncomfortable feeling, but then being able to do, do nothing because and be taken care of because walking and that kind of thing is difficult for a few days. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was back to work the next day. Oh man. <laughs> um, I was working as a, um, I was working with uh, kids with autism, um, and, uh, do a lot of standing and sitting and still <laughs> sat it. I mean, I, uh, uh, I do remember the pain. I remember sitting it out because we, well, that, that first day, but, um, everything healed up just fine. And, and I think there was pain for about a week, uh, again, decreasing pain throughout you know each each day but um yeah so six vials that's quite a lot um yeah you know i've had guys say they've found five sperm um with no tails and they've made it work um so that's that's an incredible aspect of it did they was, was there any talk about um with your doctors of you know your your super low t i mean 80 200 to 1000 200 to 800 is like normal range and you're 80 you're in your low eighties or mid eighties still that doesn't, yeah. I don't think that really matters that much where in that, where in that number you are. Um, yeah. was there talk about like getting on testosterone replacement therapy, but not mm-hmm. getting on it before you do this surgery? And were, was there information for you? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a discussion, um, uh, kind of in between, uh, the diagnosis and microtesis surgery itself. Um, basically just that, you know, we could start TRT, uh, you know, now, but it um, will decrease the chances of finding uh, or could decrease the, the chances of finding sperm during the, the surgery. And so they recommended doing it after the surgery. Um, I started May of 2016 on TRT. Um, and I'll be honest, it, uh, it was the shots and I don't do shots super well. So um as I'm sure most people don't, <laughs> um, but uh, it, uh, I only did it for a short period of time. So over the course of, I guess now 2016, about six or seven years, I've, I've had it off and on. I've recently done the gel, uh, the androgel, um, but uh, right now I'm kind of in between insurances, so I haven't had the chance to get back on it, um, but I do notice a difference when I'm on it. What do you, what do you um, notice? Yeah. 
uh, main thing is brain fog, man, that is an awful, awful thing. Difficulty concentrating and being in school most of my life. Uh, it was, that was, that was tough. Um, a lot of caffeine, but even sometimes caffeine didn't really help. <laughs> Stimulants didn't really help too much. Um, and so, so yeah, um, th that was the main one. Um, but, uh, I started to lose some weight. Um, was it, uh, May of, 2020, 2021, 2021, um, and uh, lost 40 pounds using it, which was huge, um, mainly from the belly area, and uh, that was something I'd like to get back, <laughs> let it come back a little bit, but uh, but certainly weight loss was something that, uh, and, and, and uh, muscle growth um, with, with the testosterone. So you um, lost 40 pounds by just starting TRT? It was starting TRT and, and working out okay. uh, and then checking on diet too. But uh, yeah. So the brain fog, fog brain fog is yeah. one of the biggest things that guys say yeah, that, oh yeah. uh, that like your head's in the clouds and then all of a sudden you start and as you, your body gets used to it, the sun starts to shine and, and then all of a sudden you're, you can see all over the place. You can see what's around you. You have energy. Yeah. Um, did it help oh, your, gosh, did yeah. it help libido at all? Yeah, so energy and libido. Also, libido has been pretty st stable over over even um, even you know, with the course of my life. Yeah, even with it. But um, but yeah, energy. I appreciate you bringing that up. Energy was huge too. I couldn't. I remember getting to the end of my my work day, and just you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, just can't can't make it. <laughs> couldn't make it. And then uh, when I started TRT, I you know I didn't have that issue anymore were you afraid of starting trt that it could pot potentially change your personality or or change some of the things about you that you liked being sensitive or being a little bit more emotional connected in those manners did you feel like it was gonna like there's so many stigma there's a lot of stigma about trt out there bodybuilders are using it like the sure. you know all that masculinity aspect yeah that was definitely a concern um of mine, I know my wife was very much like, well, it's not going to change you very much because you're already very, uh, you know, reserved, meek, um, uh, you know, uh, that type of thing. So she couldn't see me being aggressive, I suppose, is maybe the, the best way of putting it. And that was the fear that I had, aggress aggression or the, ang you know, more angry, more, more on edge. Um, uh, but uh, certainly, I mean, I mean, I, I struggle with anxiety myself and, and different, you know, depression uh, at times. So, so, I mean, the very well could be just from that versus, uh, versus the testosterone. But during that period of time, I didn't experience any of that, uh, the aggression or what, uh, what I was thinking I might get ex experience. Just the academic side, you probably like noticed a massive difference in learning and, and your studying aspect and attention and all of those things where it's like the, the, before and after is very noticeable. And that's what a lot of men say, um, especially the older guys like you that get diagnosed trying to have kids. They've never had it their whole lives. And then all of a sudden yeah. they start it and three months in, they're like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm an 18 year old kid again. Um, like every morning and I have this energy and this zest for life in lots of different ways. And I don't need to take naps in the middle of the daytime. And so a lot of the, a lot of the guys have noticed like massive improvement. So hopefully w once you get your insurance figured out, you can yeah. get back on some type of either the generic because it's cheaper than the Androgel. Um, yeah. so insurance won't flag it. So kind of, I want to lead into the like successful 
micro test surgery and, sure. and, um, since your parents knew about it, did your wife's parents know as well? And, um, was it something that you shared that success with your family? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was something because I had a lot of younger, younger kids still, uh, at that time in my family or a lot of, I'm sorry, younger siblings at that time. Uh, it was mainly shared with my two older siblings and, and my parents. And then on my wife's side, um, I believe most siblings knew plus, plus my, my wife's parents. So we kept it at least to, to them. Um, and, uh, um, but then when we started the IVF process, a lot more people started to know and started to find out a little bit more of, of why we had to do IVF, um, but not, not, not too much, not, not so much about like, where they're asking questions about XS, XXY or the Klein filters. Did it feel to even just telling your parents or telling the family, your, your older, your older siblings or your wife's parents, did it feel like you were taking a weight off of your shoulders by help, like by expressing what you guys were going through? You know what? I didn't really experience that. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's because it, it was, a like, I still, um, it was almost like I hadn't had it for, <laughs> for all my life. Like, like, like it was a new diagnosis. And so I just, it was kind of almost just a, a revelation, like, Hey, this is something I've got. Um, and it's going to cause us to have to do things a little more differently and a little more you know, from a <laughs> difficult standpoint. Um, and, uh, but, but they were all on board, very supportive and, um, uh, yeah, like I said, wanted to get those grandbabies here. <laughs> so, what was the time frame from successful microtestis surgery to successful IVF? Yeah, so again, kind of quick. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit different, but um, March of 2016 uh, was test surgery, and then in um, we started. Uh, well, we had the retrieval um, the end of October of that year, 2016, and then uh, the uh, successful uh, transfer and, and pregnancy November of, of 2016. So yeah, that, that, that period of time, October to November of that year. Um, and uh, we, uh, we were, uh, my wife was pregnant with twins. Um, we put in two embryos and um, both took and, and both uh, the fraternal twins um, and they were born in uh, June of 2014 or 2017. What was it like learning that your wife was pregnant for the first time? <laughs> you know, well, what you were talking about just a bit ago of that burden lifted um, that, that, that feeling <laughs> finally kind of hit me uh, more so than, than when the micro the successful micro surgery. Um, but, but, uh, just that burden of like, I, I can be a father, <laughs> I can be a father and I am a father now, uh, now that, you know, uh, we have, we have twins in the, in the oven. Right. <laughs> um, did it not really kick in that you were going to be a father until like after the kids were born? I remember celebrating Father's Day the like three or four days before they were born, um, and thinking like at that point knowing that I'm a father. But I remember it being a sweet experience of just like this is this is it. So yeah, it kind of took a while to process for sure. 
um but uh but certainly uh just sunk in as soon as <laughs> as soon as those those sweet uh boys were born so so you have yeah. two two boys yeah two boys okay and yeah. the just the the experience of being there for the birth and it's your first kids and you went through this entire process of learning that you couldn't have kids biologically and naturally. And so you had to go a different route and you were successful, which is like a, such a rare, a rare thing in, in our community as far as having a success within the micro T or micro test surgery. So that was, that's like incredible. Um, what is fatherhood like? Like what, what is it? And, and how old are your kids now? So uh, my kids are five and a half now. Um, and uh, fatherhood uh, is a huge blessing. It's everything that um, I dreamed it to be and, and then um, and more. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, my dream, even from a young age, I don't know exactly when, um, but uh, was to be a father, um, have my own kids. Um, and uh, um, um, I guess the experience of, you know, you don't necessarily know uh, how important it is uh, to be a father, to have a father. Um, I know it's slightly <laughs> off a little bit here, but um, unless unless you can't have you know you've been told either that you can't have kids or that you um it'll be difficult or or whatever um and uh you know so going through this experience certainly has made it so that i feel um i guess i'm more grateful more blessed more uh, uh yeah more blessed i guess that's the word <laughs> Um, and, uh, I'm grateful for the experience, certainly. Um, but, uh, man, it was a long road and, and I often wonder what it would be like to have known a little bit earlier on, um, about the diagnosis, about the, the woes that would come up, <laughs> difficulties, uh, so I could, could have prepared better for them. I understand that perspective. A lot of the guys that get diagnosed later on life, wish they knew earlier and they get into the kind of the rabbit hole of going down. And I wish I knew, wish my parents knew there could have been so much more done for me for learning or school or fertility or like, uh, but then if you look at it, like you might've not met your wife, you might've not, you know, all of like the beautiful kids that you have now might not even exist if you did find out. And then to our community, like, 25% of us get a diagnosis, 75% die never knowing. So in some ways we're, even though a lot of people don't look at it as lucky to get a diagnosis, but you, you have, you, it's kind of our job, the, the ones that do get diagnosed to share our stories so we can help all those guys out there that don't even have a diagnosis. Um, and I, we, I just spoke with a, a gentleman yesterday who um, didn't get diagnosed until 47 years old, well after he did embryo adoption with his wife. He was told that he had hypogonadism and azoospermia, but no one ever dug further on why, what, what was the, what, why was that created? And so he lived like 30 years of no information about his condition. And that's, you know, it's like, 
in some ways it's a blessing that all of us get diagnosed at some point um, and yep. kind of looking at it from that perspective and not kind of going down that constant rabbit hole of like where, what would have been better or, or so-and-so. So, sure. so fatherhood, what are some of your favorite things that you do with your kids that um, like you've learned from family or, you know, how do you, how have you taken that on? Yeah. Um, my favorite things are, uh, it just started kindergarten. So, um, you know, just remembering back to my time as, as a child and, and loving school and, 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 um, watching them love school, um, learning to, to read, learning the letters, learning numbers, all of that. Um, some of the things we enjoy, uh, we enjoy travel living out here on the East coast, much different than the West coast. Um, and that you can kind of go anywhere, um, and, and enjoy the history. They love DC. They love, uh, visiting farms here in, in Virginia, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, um, trains. It's, it's a lot of fun, uh, seeing kind of how they, um, you know, uh, how, how so much interests them, <laughs> um, even something as simple as, uh, sitting down and, and drawing, uh, and coloring, um, you know, we have reams of, of color, colored pages and, you know, allowing that creative side of me to come out, um, uh, and, and teach it to them. Um, yeah, recently it's been video games, which, uh, you know, they're, they're in the, the Mario and, um, and, uh, Nintendo switch. And it's been, that's been enjoyable too, to, again, just be kind of a guide, um, help them, uh, experience life, um, and, and, uh, and learn, um, is a huge, huge blessing of fatherhood. Um, speaking of, you know, guiding them, um, what would you say to, you know, your former self? before this, you know, during this diagnosis, right? So if guys that are experiencing exactly what you experienced, what would you say to them right now um, as they're listening? Um, well, and some of, some of this has kind of come from also my, uh, my training as a, you know, as a psychologist, I, I wish that I had had more, uh, is more training on expressing myself, expressing feelings, expressing struggles I was going through, challenges that I was having at, at that age, throughout high school, even throughout uh, young adulthood, even now. <laughs> just uh, opportunities to be opportunities as well as just training of, of like it's good, it's important to get what you're feeling out there, um, uh, especially when you're feeling confused, like in this. You know, I didn't know what it was necessarily what was causing a lot of what I was struggling with. Um, um, so, so yeah, so, so learning how to express um, self, communicate with parents, um, communicate with, um, with others. Um, yeah, I think one of the things was um, uh confidence for sure um yeah be brave enough to speak out instead of trying um uh suffer inside and yeah i uh, uh 
uh, I just hope that <laughs> to learn the skills to be more confident um, to to express themselves so that they don't suffer inside. Did you feel alone in your diagnosis when you got diagnosed? Like you were the only one? Yeah, certainly. Uh, this wasn't an um, option at the time. I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't do enough digging, but uh, forums and things, I, I very, very rarely found anything. Um, uh, so certainly felt very alone. And how has, since that experience and then being a dad and then getting busy with your master's program and getting your career lined up to be a clinical psychologist and your practice and all these other aspects of your life, those have been on the forefront of your entire life. Are you excited to kind of have some time where you can um, invest some more time into learning more about Kleinfelter syndrome on what you're affected, like how it affects you and, and kind of breaking that down. Um, I know that by doing this, you're, not only helping yourself, but you're helping thousands, you're going to help thousands of people out there about your diagnosis. Certainly. I, um, I, uh, once, once I'm done studying and can take this test and become licensed, I'm so, um, I've had some experience with working with, with males with low T, um, with them therapy, but, uh, but certainly I would be, um, I'm, I'm very open and interested in, in, furthering my, 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 uh, experiences, furthering my, uh, research and, and, and learning more about how I could be of, of more help. And, and like I was saying before, um, uh, helping anyone, but, but especially those with Kleinfelter's parents alike, um, to help their kids or help the kids themselves to, um, like I said, be more confident, be, feel, feel like they aren't alone and, and, uh, learn those those ways to express themselves and build those um, connections that they need to, to move on. And especially with such a, um, you know, uh, um, such a difficult experience as, as infertility is. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So what, I guess one last question and, and sure. like what, why did you push yourself or did your wife push you um, <laughs> to do this today? Why did you want to put yourself out there when you haven't been publicly open with all of your friends or, you know, in your own community, but you wanted to do this? Um, part of it was um, knowing I need to get involved and be confident <laughs> in, uh, in XXY and, you know, knowing that, that that's, that's who I am and that's part of who I am. Um, but also and my my wife's main main point and being so so connected on social media about these issues is is to bring hope to to those that uh, um, that need it those that uh, like I didn't feel like I had much of that I guess connection and, and again like I said if I didn't have my wife pushing me along and and that I, I likely uh, would have I would be in a much different place now um, so uh, so. I, I was pushed to, 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 um, by my wife, but certainly very much interested in being more of an advocate than, than, a than a backseater. Well, it's much appreciated. And, and I know that the people out there listening will definitely appreciate it. And, um, are you open for people to get in touch with you or contact you if they have any questions? Yeah, certainly. Okay. Uh -huh. Definitely. 
Well, hey, it's been awesome having you on the show today and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ryan.